Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion team. Astrocast is poured for you by Carbach Brewing. Get highlights, interviews, the latest news surrounding MLB, and your Astros. Brought to you by Carbach Brewing. Looking up. See you later. Into the Landry's Crawford boxes. Subscribe to Astrocast. Expecting a great season with this Astros team. The official podcast on the Houston Astros. It's going to be a lot of fun the whole way. Greetings from Guaranteed Rate Field in Chicago, Illinois, where today the Houston Astros wrap up their three-game series with the Chicago White Sox. Series is even at a game apiece after the White Sox picked up a 10-1 win over the Astros yesterday. Abraham Toro homered for the Astros run. Michael Brantley had a double, but the Astros saw their win streak into two games. White Sox have won six of their last seven. Astros 56-37, first in the ALS, three and a half games ahead of Oakland, while the White Sox are 55-36. That's first in the AL Central, eight games ahead of Cleveland. Let's take a look at our pitching matchup brought to you by the official health care provider for the Houston Astros, Houston Methodist Leading Medicine. It's Fromber Valdez on the mound for the Astros today, making his 10th start of the season since starting the year on the injured list. He struggled a little bit his last couple. He has, and it has me worried a little bit about Fromber Valdez. Didn't see that at all last year, and of course we didn't see it earlier this year, and felt like he'd kind of gotten over that hump as far as the control issues have gone, but that's where we find ourselves right now. So there's some mechanical things he was probably working on between his last start and this one today. So he faces a tough team with the Chicago White Sox. So that release point needs to be on point. Carlos Rodon, fellow lefty, on the mound for the White Sox today. And he has been outstanding. An all-star for Chicago this year. Threw a no-hitter earlier this year as well. Yeah, and the Astros saw him a little earlier this year. Throws extremely hard mid to upper 90s. Finally more than anything, healthy, you know, and, and he had a lot of promise coming into the draft out of North Carolina State, and the Astros were even uh, thinking about taking him with the number one pick in that draft, but he's really started to kind of uh, come into his own. Uh, it's kind of funny. Uh, they didn't offer him a contract until real late, right before spring training this year, to get Rodon back in the fold, but he's one of their best. We'll be back with more of Astro Launch right after this. Lifted to shallow left, coming in Brantley. The throw to the plate on a hop, the slide is out! Textbook play in left field by Brantley, and a perfect one-hop strike to home. This is the Houston Astros. And that could be the play of the game, no doubt about it. Radio Network. Welcome back. It's time for our keys to the game, brought to you by Honda. Racing today for a great deal on a Honda at your Greater Houston Honda dealer. Well, uh, last night, Astros ran into a buzzsaw, and, and Lucas Giolito pitched very well, gave up just three hits, and, and allowed the one run. And, you know, the Astros have, 
have handled the White Sox starters pretty well. Last night was an exception, and Carlos Rodon, when he pitched in Houston earlier this year, he pitched really well in that game. Those are the two best starting pitching performances the Astros have seen when they face the White Sox this year. That's right. You know, and Rodon's going to come out there and, and blaze, and he's got some pitches that can really embarrass you with two strikes. So I think uh, you've got to get to Rodon early in the count so you don't have to get to that wipeout slider and expand the strike zone. Things of that nature. So maybe first time through the order, try to jump him a little bit, ambush him uh, to try to get some traffic and some base runners and see if you can get lucky and opportunistic and maybe pop him for a couple. Coming up next, we'll hear from Astros general manager James Click, as we do every Sunday, but now this from your local station. The 2021 season is upon us, and the Houston Astros single-game tickets are on sale now. Make your plans to see the Astros live at Minute Maid Park. From dollar dogs and Friday night fireworks to great plays and Crawford box home runs. Looking up, see you later! You won't want to miss a second of the excitement at Minute Maid Park this season. We can't wait to welcome you back to the ballpark because this season is for the age. Visit Astros.com slash tickets for more information and to get your tickets today. And welcome back. Robert Ford joined by Astros general manager James Click as we are every Sunday before the Astros uh, wrap up their three-game series in Chicago against the White Sox. Uh, James, the, the draft was uh, this past week and uh, the Astros first pick the first two picks actually were, were high school position players, Tyler Whitaker, third round pick high school outfielder out of, of Las Vegas and a, a shortstop, Alex Iloa, uh, a fourth round pick. He was uh, selected out of uh, high school in, in the Miami area. Uh, and after that, it was, it was a run on college players. Anything to read into, you know, the first two picks being, being high school kids, or was it just the, the way the draft, the draft board kind of fell for you guys? No, it was much more with the way the draft board fell for us. Uh, Whitaker and Rio are two guys that uh, our scouts really liked, and there's a lot of upside with those tools, uh, as there can often seem like there is with, uh, with high school guys. Uh, and so, you know, we wanted to make sure that we had the ability to be flexible with uh, the small pool that we had in the draft. And so that sort of led to some strategy later in the uh, in those rounds on uh, on Monday. But, um, you know, I wouldn't read anything into it other than we just took the best guys on the board when we had the picks and then try to create the space to uh, to do what we needed to do. You know, you mentioned that the small bonus pool, the smallest of any of the teams uh, in the draft this year. And uh, it, uh, 10 of the 19 picks have been announced as, as being signed. The deadline is, is, is August 1st. Is the, is the hope that you, you'll get all of these guys signed? Yeah, absolutely. We, we don't draft guys without the intention of getting them signed, but it is a, uh, a short window here to get them signed. And there's a lot of, that we have to go through to make sure that that gets done the right way in terms of getting everything approved by MLB. We have to get the guys in and get them their physicals. And sometimes, especially with COVID out there, uh, that can be a little tricky, just making sure that we schedule it safely and get the travel in safely. So uh, we've just got to jump through those those logistical hoops there, but uh, we're optimistic about getting everybody signed. In some ways, is it a little easier now with the bonus pools? Because, I mean, at this point, when guys get drafted, you kind of have a number attached to them, right? Like you, you pretty much know what, what it'll take to sign them as opposed to in the past when, when before there were bonus pools, when maybe uh, there was a little bit of unknown there. Well, I think it just kind of forces everybody to, to put their, their cards on the table to some extent because if we're not open with, with them about, about how much pool space we may think that we have left and if they change their mind later uh, about their intentions or, or going to school or something like that, then there's no, there's no flexibility built into the system. You know, before the draft pools, you could – well, first of all, you had a long, long time. You had almost a year 
uh, to get these guys signed in some cases. And so that led to very protracted negotiations with the amount of time and the amount of flexibility with the very limited time and the very limited ability. I think in a lot of ways that, that makes us more optimistic about signing. Uh, Alex Bregman working his way back from the, the quad injury. I know Bregman had expressed before the break that he was hoping to be on a, a rehab assignment by now. Where, where is he at as far as his timetable and, and how close is he to, to going out and playing in some minor league games? We're hoping he's really close. He's just continuing to recover from that injury. And with uh, an injury to a, a major muscle like that, a big muscle, sometimes it can take a little while because you got to get all the fluid out of there. And, uh, you know, it's not a localized thing. It's, it's, a, it's a large muscle group that has to kind of calm down. And so, uh, you know, I, I think a big part of him wanted to get home to Albuquerque and, and get home and see friends and family. And uh, he was shooting for that. But uh, after discussions with him and our trainers, we just felt like it was prudent to keep him running uh, at Minute Maid Park for a little while longer. But uh, hopefully, hopefully sometime uh, this week, uh, maybe we can move up to Oklahoma City where Sugarland is. Uh, but if not, it won't be too much uh, too far behind that. He's coming along really, really well. And uh, as he always does, he's really getting after his rehab and he's doing everything that, that he needs to do to get himself back and making sure that as we ramp up the intensity and as we change from straight line running to running the bases to the, the short burst that you have to have at third base, all of those kind of things that he's doing them, not only without feeling anything in the quad, but not, but not even thinking about it and not even letting his body compensate for it subconsciously. And, and we want this thing completely 100% behind him because we're hoping that, that we've got, you know, three more months and, and change uh, of baseball left to play. And we need to focus on making sure that he's ready for all that. Aledmiz Diaz has been working his way back from the, the broken hand and has been playing some some games down in, in Florida at the at West Palm Beach. Uh, Dusty Baker saying earlier today that he was going to go to, to Corpus Christi. Uh, is there a possibility we could see Diaz maybe by the, the end of this uh, upcoming homestand? Potentially. Um, right now it's just getting reps. Uh, the, the reports that I've gotten are is that the hand is, is fully healed, the bone scans look good. It, right now it's just getting him – back into game shape, getting his timing where it needs to be. So he may stick around in Florida for a little bit, but, you know, we are optimistic to get him back, hopefully before the trade deadline. Uh, this homestand might be a little aggressive, but we'll kind of see how he responds and how many at-bats he needs before he feels like he's ready to go. Joined by Astros general manager James Click before the Astros wrap up their series in Chicago and uh, uh, trade deadline a, a couple of weeks away and, a lot of the discussion, uh, at least externally, about what the Astros might do has been about, you know, adding pitching and, and whether it be in the bullpen or, or in the rotation. Uh, is there a possibility that that there there could be other needs that, that you try to address at the at the deadline besides pitching? I mean, there's always a possibility of everything. And so, you know, if somebody wants to say that we're not taking X off the table. I mean, that's just part of the job. And so. We are we're having a lot of active conversations. Sometimes during those conversations, and another team indicates uh, that they're up or down on a certain player that that we might not have expected, and that might create a situation where we say this might be a good value add or, or a good value buy uh, for this year and and for the future. And so we certainly have our areas of focus. Uh, I think right now it is more focused on pitching than than hitting, but at the same time, throughout the course of these conversations with other teams, if if something pops up and there's an opportunity. Uh, we will certainly pounce on that. But if we're driving the conversation, I think it's safe to say that we're a little bit more focused on pitching than we are on hitting right now. And speaking of pitching, uh, Josh James, he's been uh, pitching uh, minor league rehab games for Sugarland. 
Uh, only through nine pitches in his uh, game on Friday, he got hit by a line drive. Uh, wound up staying in and, and, and getting a third of an inning in. Uh, uh, how is how is Josh James doing? Is 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 he is he is he doing all right? Yeah, he he reported to the park yesterday uh, and acted like nothing had happened. Uh, well, you know, as, as in in all the right ways, right? Uh, right. Came in, got his in, did his throwing, said he felt fine. So we'll continue to check on him today when he gets to the park in Albuquerque in a couple hours and just make sure that over the past 24 hours that nothing else has cropped up. Anytime you see that, you always hold your breath a little bit, but he seemed to think that it was just a glancing blow off of his upper back. And so hopefully it's not any kind of a setback and we can keep going and get him back here just as soon as we can. Also good to see Pedro Baez, who has yet to pitch this year in the big leagues, pitching in, in, in minor league games. With Fayetteville, and then we've been dealing with that, that shoulder issue for, for much of the year. Uh, sounds like Baez is getting a lot closer to maybe maybe being able to help your bullpen here in, 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 in the near future. Yeah, and uh, I've seen his last couple outings in person, the one down at West Palm Beach during the draft, and then I was in Fayetteville a couple of days ago when he was off the mound, and he had a very quick, efficient inning, pounded the strike zone. Uh, the movement on the, uh, the secondary pitches, I think, looks excellent. Uh, he and I talked a few times, and uh, he's excited to get the uh, the rehab uh, assignment behind him. Uh, he's got one more in Fayetteville today, uh, and then we're actually hoping to get him to Houston uh, sometime during this homestand, early in the homestand, to throw a bullpen for Strami and Josh and uh, and Murph and the guys, uh, and let him connect with the team a little bit. And we don't we don't want to lose sight of the fact that he this is his first year on the team. Uh, we were just getting going in spring training when we had a few cases of COVID and, and he had to sit out. And by the time he was able to work his way back, most of us had left for the season. And so we want to make sure that he understands that he's a big part of this team and, and he feels like a, a, a true Astro and, and one of the one of the guys that's really going to help us. And as much as I can express that to him personally, I have, but there's no substitute for getting in there, getting in the uniform, getting around the, the big league roster. Uh, but he's, you know, we've talked about his, his rehab calendar after that Houston appearance, and uh, he's ready to go. He's pushing. Uh, so at this point, we just got to make sure that he's got all the workload in that he needs, and we should be good to go. Jose Urquidy, I know he was shut down for a little while after having the the, uh, the, the shoulder issue. Uh, is he is he going to start uh, throwing soon here, hopefully? Hopefully, that's the case. We just need to make sure, you know, just like Bregman, just like a lot of these guys, that that, that muscle, muscle injury is just completely behind him and that there's no fluid or anything in the muscle. So as soon as we get that clearance from our doctors, they'll pick up a baseball. And, you know, he has shown in the ability, to, uh, or shown in the past, the ability to recover and get ramped up pretty quickly. So it'll be great to have him back. Uh, you're in uh, Asheville right now. You were just with the, the Fayetteville Club. Uh, doing your tour around the affiliates. When you go to these to these different minor league affiliates, I mean, obviously, I know you want to you know get together with the staff. What what are some of the things that you're hoping to accomplish? Is a lot of it just kind of kind of just kind of letting everybody know that you know you're the general manager and you're you're still paying attention to what's going on in the minor leagues? Well, I mean, certainly that's part of it, but but for me. I didn't get to see a lot of these players in person last year because we didn't have a season. And so in a lot of cases, this is my first look at them in person. And because we have so few people on the pro scouting side, you know, I want to make sure that we have eyes on these guys. And sometimes that's me. Sometimes that's something else, uh, somebody else out there on the road, but uh, there's just no substitute for being there, seeing, seeing the work that they're doing, not only on the field, but, but off the field. And so I like to see, 
what they do before the game, what they do during the game, how, how they, how they are in the dugout, the little things that don't come through on the box score or on a track man or on a Hawkeye or something like that. And then beyond that here in Asheville, it's our first year with this facility. It's our first year with this front office here. And they built a, a new weight room for us this off season. And they have a lot of plans for this facility. And so part of the point of the trip here is also to get to know the ownership group and the front office here and to talk through what their plans are for this facility, which, I mean, this is a, this is a historic ballpark. Babe Ruth played here. Uh, you know, Craig Biggio is going to be mad at me for saying him in the same breath as Babe Ruth. I'm not trying to say he's <laughs> as old as Babe Ruth, but, but Craig played here as well. Um, this is an historic ballpark and we, we have a lot of work to do to get it up to, to modern standards, but uh, it's an amazing community. It's a really an amazing setting. It's, it's tucked into the mountains here. Uh, it's a it's a great place to watch a baseball game, and uh, we want to make sure that we get it to the point where it's uh, also a top flight facility that that our guys are proud to call home. Which we're well on our way. I'm just looking forward to having those conversations. All right, James Blake, Astros general manager. Thanks for joining us, and enjoy the rest of your time down in Astro. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. One zero. That's hit sky high, pretty deep to right center, but it's going to be playable for Straw to his left. He makes the catch. Both runners tagging. The throw in by Straw to second, and it is in time to get Garcia. Two outs. Goodwin gets to third. Boy, poor scouting report for the White Sox running on Straw with the trail runner. I can't believe he continued to go. I thought he was just going to fake it. But a strike by Straw and a big double play. That's huge. Now two outs in the inning. Hey, welcome back to Astrolaunch. This is Steve Sparks, and we've got a very special guest today, somebody we missed for quite a while till the last 10 days. It's Gary Pettis, the Astros' third base coach. Gary, uh, I know it's been a long time coming. How you doing, man? I uh, feel good, man. You're right. It's been uh, 10 months. I'm finally back on the field where I rightfully belong, and I'm having fun again. For those who, who didn't know, uh, you were diagnosed with multiple myeloma. You probably didn't even know what that was at the time. Am I correct? Uh, of course. I had no idea what it was. And then uh, once I found out about it, did a lot of research and uh, found out that, you know, things are, are moving in the right direction. Uh, got hooked up with a, a good group of doctors, uh, City of Hope in California. And now that I'm back here in Houston, I'm over at uh, MD Anderson. So I'm in good hands. Things are going well. My treatments went well. And uh, I'm here, you know. I had yeah. an opportunity to uh, maybe put it off for a while and maybe do it at the end of the season. But things were moving forward at a rapid pace, and our doctors felt like, you know, it was time to get it done. And thank goodness for Zoom, right? I mean, during the, the pandemic, we, we had the advent of, of the the Zoom, and you were able to probably keep in touch with a lot of guys that way. Yeah, you know, Zoom, FaceTime. Uh, we had a lot of meetings during spring training, which uh, were early for me. 7 o'clock uh, West Palm <laughs> Beach was like 4 o'clock in the morning California time. Uh. But you know, I'd, I'd get up and I'd go sit out in the den and I'd have my, my computer, my laptop open and, you know, we, we got it done. You know, it, was, it was really fun for me and it was a way that I could stay involved and, and keep track of what was going on. Not like being there, but it was good enough. Right. But what are you seeing with uh, like a Miles Straw or a Kyle Tucker, some of these guys that are kind of new to the major leagues and you watch them grow as outfielders. You're one of the best five-time gold glover. What have you seen with their growth? Well, you know, it's, it's funny because uh, prior to both of those guys uh, even making a club last year, you know, coming up and, and, and giving us a, a, a jolt in the arm last year, um, I saw them in the minor leagues because they would come to spring training. So I had some history with them. Yep. And I always felt like they'd be very good outfielders. 
Uh, and then Miles Straw, obviously with his speed, I felt like he would be a very good center fielder. And then this year, uh, he started out a little bit slow, um, and then he picked it up. Uh, but uh, the sky's the limit for those two guys right there. I mean, they both can read the ball well. They have good speed, which is always a plus in the outfield. And then just being able to cut the angles off, you know, learning how to get to a ball when it's not hit straight to you, directly at you, learning the angles of how to cut it off. They both can do that very well. So I think the outfield is in good hands with those guys right now. You know, we, don't, uh, we have a good vantage point, but I don't have the expertise that you do. And you talked about, is it the routes mostly for Straw? Because we can tell he's getting better and better and better at flagging a lot of these balls down in the gaps and over his head and things like that. What's the secret? Well, routes and – but the, the most important thing to me is, is getting the, the proper read, getting the right jump on the baseball when it's put in play. Okay. And uh, when, I, when I hear you guys say to Miles that – uh, he's getting better. I even told him, I said, you know, I was a little upset when I heard them say that you are getting better because a guy with his ability should never be in a situation where he is mentioned with getting better. He should always be at the top of his game. And he knows that. And, and I think gotcha. that might be where I was missed most uh, with helping out the outfielders. No, right. There's no disrespect to, to Omar Lopez. He did a very good job. We stayed in close contact with trying to uh, put a plan together and, and help those guys out. But uh, Omar didn't play that position. I mean, that'd be like me trying to help out a catcher. I really wouldn't know. I could maybe tell them what someone has told me. Mm -hmm. But unless you've actually <laughs> done that job, it's, it's hard to, to put yourself in a position in a job that you've never done and try and teach it. How do you teach players to, to look for different tells on pitchers, how to get jumps as a stolen base guy? You stole over 350 bags in your major league career. Where do you start? You start at the feet? Well, it's a lot easier now than when I played because of the video stuff that you right. have. And, you know, we have the ability now to put pitchers side by side on a split screen so you can see the differences of what a guy does when he goes home and what he does when he goes to first base. So sometimes it's the feet. Sometimes it could be his hips. Sometimes it could be his shoulders. Sometimes it could be his hand. And sometimes it's just the way that uh, he goes to the set position. So, you, you know, we have the advantage now to do all that stuff. When I, when I played, I used to go down to the end of the dugout yeah. uh, past first base when there was a guy on first base. And I would stand there and I would, I would watch the pitcher to see if I could see any, any differences in what he does when he goes home or when he throws to first base. So... Uh, a lot easier now, but yeah, those are some of the things that we do. What percentage of pitchers do you think do things differently? Well, I, I would say there's probably, a, I'd, I'd bet that there's about 65 to 70% of the guys wow. do something different. Wow. Uh, but, you know, the, the, the stolen base now is not as valued as much as it used to be right. until the game is tight. <laughs> See, when, when, you, when you can't score runs or you can't get hits, then uh, when you get a guy on first base, everybody says, well, why didn't he run? Well, you know, if you don't do this a lot, then it's, it's tough to just all of a sudden turn it on or turn it off, you know, when, whenever you want to. You can't say, okay, I'm, I'm going to steal today, but then tomorrow uh, and the next day I'm not going to run. And then the fourth day I'm going to run again. No, it's a base dealer has to get in a rhythm, get in a groove, just like you do when you when you hit. I mean, you practice uh, batting, you take batting practice every day. Well, 
you should practice your starts when you run before the game, when you're warming up, running your sprints. You should be practicing your base stealing starts so that when the game starts, uh, you feel comfortable that you can explode right away. But when you don't do it, then you don't feel like you, you're going to get the best jump. So you're kind of hesitant and you may not go. I'm talking with Gary Pettis, the Astros third base coach. Um, one of the things about this series is you look at these two managers, two of the best managers of all time with Tony La Russa and Dusty Baker. I think it's 4,730 wins between them, something stupid like that. You had Gene Mock and you had John McNamara and, and a few others, but what was Gene Mock like? We always heard that he was really stern, but for whatever reason, you really jump-started your career under Gene Mock. That's when you played your best. What was it about him that, that motivated you? Well, for one, Gene was – he was one of the smartest managers that, I, that I've ever had. Uh, mm. I was fortunate enough to play under Gene Mock and then Sparky Anderson along with John McNamara. But Gene Mock, he, he was a student of the game even as a manager. He just paid attention to everything. And uh, I remember one day I was just – I wasn't playing and I was standing next to him as somebody was hitting and uh, the first pitch goes by and he says, oh, he's, he's looking for a curveball because the guy threw a fastball and he took it. And the next pitch came and it was a fastball and the guy took it again. And before the pitcher could wind up again, he said, don't throw him a curveball. That's what he's looking for. Sure enough, they throw him a curveball and he hits a home run. I'm thinking, how did this guy know that? So then I started paying more attention to what he was saying, but, uh, he was stern and, and we, we had our little run-ins where he felt yeah. like I should do something when I felt I should do it another. But the one thing I will say about him is that he never let anything personal get between him and his players. Um, if you were able to do the job on the field, uh, he would write your name down in the lineup. And, and that's, I, I really thank him for that because I know there were times where we, we butted heads, but, uh, just the, the, the fact that he knew that when I went out there, I was going to play as hard as I could and I was going to give him my best effort. And uh, I, I guess the thing that I took most from him was that no matter what happens before the game, when the game starts, you're ready to play and you better be ready to play. Well, this Astros team's ready to play. You've been with this team since 2015 and we marvel uh, at the way they approach their at-bats. And you made a little bit of a change late in your career in 89 with Detroit, where you started working the counts more, and we see the Astros work the counts probably as well as anybody, Michael, uh, Jordan, so many of the players work the counts so well. Uh, how do you do that? How do you get better at recognizing spin and, and, and controlling the strike zone? Well, I think it, it goes to, uh, to, the, to the fact that you, you can't be afraid to hit with one strike on you. I mean, say you have a 2-0 count, and I know that's where it started for me, having a 2-0 count, and then thinking, okay, I'm going to jump on this next pitch because it's going to be a fastball. Well, then you jump on that pitch, it's not a fastball, and then there's the rollover to second base, and you run hard to first base, and you come back to the dugout screaming because <laughs> you had a 2-0 count, and you hit a little dribbler to second base. And you panicked. Yeah, so then you start going, okay, well, what if I take that pitch? Yeah. See, it could be 3-0, and or even if it's 2-1, and it's a pitch that I probably couldn't have put in play as firm as I would have liked to. So now you take that pitch and it might be two and one. Okay, then the next pitch comes and now it's three and one. So then all of a sudden you start to realize that the more I make this guy work, the better counts that I'm gonna get into to hit. And it, it all works out. Now, yeah, there are times when you're gonna say you have the two count and, and you hit 
2-0 and you, you might get a hit on it. But as the season goes on, the more times you can continually keep that count in your favor, uh, the, the better you're going to be. And I think our guys understand that is that, you know what, sometimes 2-0 is not always the fastball. Right. <laughs> And one's not always a fastball. So sometimes when you wait, Especially now. Out, yes, when you wait the pitcher out, you get yourself into better hitting counts or better pitches to hit. And that's what our guys are doing. They're, they are getting pitches that, that they can put in play very, very hard. Well, Gary Pettis, I know, and I speak for myself, but I speak for a lot of people. Everybody's excited that you're here. Uh, everybody's glad that you're feeling well and doing so much better. So, Thanks for joining us today and uh, continue great health. All right. Thank you. Back with more of Astro Launch right after this. Young Astros fans, it's never too early to show off your Astros pride. With the season in full swing, be a part of the official Astros Kids Club today. Kids 12 and under can join the Astros Buddies Club and receive a Buddies backpack, cap, socks, and access to exclusive events and activities throughout the year. All for only $25. What's even better, it will get shipped right to your door. For more information and to purchase your Astros Buddies membership, visit astros.com slash buddies today. And that loads them up now as the pitching coach is going to amble out to the mound as well as the catcher to have a word with Cease, who just seems to have it all go away from him now after two quick out, covering his mouth as he goes through the scouting report of Yuli Gurriel. And what he probably told him is, hey, this hitter right here is hitting about 500 in his career with the bases loaded. Yeah, 5'10 in 66 career plate appearances. That's, that's unheard of. Bases loaded, two outs, Sox lead, one nothing. Here's the first pitch. And it's a shot down the right field line. That's a base hit. Maldonado scores. Altuve right behind him. He'll score. They'll hold Brantley at third base. It's a two-run double by Gurriel. And the Astros lead 2-1. to one. And now 5 for 8 this year with the bases loaded. Yuli, do you expect a first pitch slider there from Cease? And how, how crucial was it that hit to kind of break his rhythm? He had been pitching so well against you guys the first time through the order. Yeah, I was looking for something like that, but I was actually looking for a curveball in that situation, um, which is the slider is a little bit harder, so it's wide. I gave it – I hit it a little bit further, a little bit uh, deeper um, because it was – a little bit of a harder pitch, but I was looking for a curveball in that situation. Yuli, you guys are 43 and 22 against teams with a 500 or better record. What is it about you guys that have allowed you to play your best against baseball's best teams this year? Yeah, that's something that's really important um, because those are the type of teams that uh, it's really likely we might be able to, we might be facing them in the place playoffs. So um, to be able to beat teams that are good winning teams uh, gives you the be able to, gives you the confidence um, if, if we end up facing them down the road. Yuli, do you want to talk about uh, what's written on your hat? And, and what you would want to tell people about uh, what's going on in Cuba right now? Yeah, uh, the truth is we're, we're really suffering with the situation right now. Um, it's, it's tough um, what's going on there, but we're, we're here and we're supporting them 120% um, um, from, from the distance here. What's it like for you guys behind a guy like Lance when he's pitching as well as he was tonight? Yeah, it's really, uh, it's really easy to support him and, and be behind him. When he's in the strike zone, um, he can be really tough to hit. So, um, when he's pitching like he is tonight, it's, it's really in, it can be an easy path to victory, and it's easy to play behind. McCullers looks in. Here comes the 3-2. And it's a breaking ball, strike three. He got him on the outside corner. That's 10 strikeouts for McCullers. Through, through the first seven innings for the Astros, gave up a hit to each of the first two batters. That's it. Nobody else got a hit. They scored a run by then, but he had two walks, 10 strikeouts, and a beautiful game. 
Retired the last 13 in a row. Was this the best command you've had all year? Um, I think, I think so. I feel like, you know, my command has been growing as the season's gone on. You know, I think a, a big issue was I, I haven't been landing my breaking ball um, as much earlier in the season. So you see the walks kind of climb, especially against those lefties. Um, but I've, you know, I've been watching a lot of film. I mean, every day and, and during the break, watching film, you know, getting my lifts in, playing catch, trying to st stay right. I feel like I found a little something with the breaking ball. I thought it was very, very good tonight. Um, and, you know, just, uh, you know, keep attacking the zone. I feel like when I'm in the zone and I give myself a good chance, uh, you know, good things happen. You mentioned how good the curveball was, but you, you did use the slider a good bit against their left-handed hitters. How yeah. confident are you with that pitch against both right and left? It's just, I mean, it just becomes something for me that I, I honestly feel like I could, I could throw it at will for, for strikes. I feel like I can, you know, you know, locate it well. It blends so well off the two seam that it's just it's become a weapon. So we wanted to use it, uh, start to use it to both sides. Um, if my if my curveball is as good as it was tonight, um, continuously moving forward, I don't know who knows if I'll throw it that much to lefties. But um, going into the game, that that was the game plan. But the curveball, um, you know, was really good, especially as the game went on. Lance, what is it like? What is that like when you're on that kind of a roll and you're on that kind of command? It's I just want you know I just want to give my best effort for the for the boys behind me, for the guys in the dugout. That's what that's what it is about for me. Um, you know I just I just want to go out there. I want to you know set the tone. I, th I think first game coming off the break, um, you know it, it was a, a game that I, I wanted to you know try to put my foot down a little bit and throw throw the ball well and. Uh, I'm just happy that, you know, the guys behind me have confidence in me and uh, we have a great team and I'm, you know, I'm, uh, at the words honored, but I'm very fortunate to be able to go out there and, and, and pitch uh, for this club. How special is that when you come off the field and you know, you've had a great game, you're done and Dusty's get greets you in the dugout and gives you a big hug and y'all share a moment. No, it's, it, it's great. You know, you, you, you always want to finish strong. Um, you know, especially as the pitch count is climbing, you want to show, uh, Dusty, Stromy, you know, uh, Joe Espada, these guys that, you know, when you can dig deep and you have that extra gear, especially late in the game. Um, so finishing, you know, finishing games strong uh, is, is important. And, and it was a, it was a good, uh, you know, I, I did a good job with that tonight. Yeah. It's, I mean, speaking of finishing the game strong, I mean, you struck out the side in the seventh and we kind of see, you know, you're showing that emotion as you come off the, off the mound. I mean, what's that feeling going through your head uh, right there at the end of that, at the end of the seventh? Well, this is, I had seven after six and uh, I saw that on the iPad and I said, man, I'm going to, I'm going to go for it. I'm really going to go for it here. Um, you know, striking guys out isn't as something that as is important to me as it used to be. Um, but, you know, when I was, I, I was close and I felt like I had, my stuff was still really just uh, crisp. I, I really wanted to go for it. So that was kind of my goal uh, there in the seventh. And um, the emotion was, was more of just like, for me uh, to set a goal like that against a team that is really a good hitting team. Um, I was, I was, I was proud of, uh, of accomplishing it. Lance, when you go out and have a performance like the one that you had tonight, how much of a focus is it for you to, to try to repeat it? I mean, I know you've been really, uh, really pleased with what you've done so far this season, but when you, when you have something like this, how big of a focus is it for you to try to go out and replicate that uh, on, on each start? 
Yeah, I mean, that's that's how I felt after my last start before the break. I, I think I went seven innings and maybe gave up two. Um, I'm not 100% positive in that, but that's what I'm saying. Monday, I first, I lifted heavy lower. Tuesday, I came into mid-May, threw my bullpen, did upper body, ran. Wednesday, got my core and my, my video work in. And then Thursday, we had the workout we flew here. So I was trying to just continue – um, my routine. I'm glad that I didn't have like too long of a layoff. I think it was maybe like seven, eight days, just enough to like feel really good and ready to go for the second half, but, but still um, not too many days to where I feel like I lost that rhythm that I created in my last start. Yeah, I'm still, I'm still working. Like my changeup's got to be better. It just isn't, hasn't been the same since I've come back from the DL, but it's such a feel pitch that I just got to keep, keep working through it. But it, it, this is, you know, great game. I'm not happy with it, but you know, when I wake up tomorrow, it's, it's back to the grind. It's back to, to day one and make that climb and, and make my next start. Oh, one. And Brantley cranks it down the right field line. Ball is hooking. If it stays fair, it's gone. And it is fair. Michael Brantley goes deep and the Astros go up three to one. Brantley homers off his seats for the second time this year. Well, I'll say this. When Brantley hits them, they're usually no doubters. That ball was really cranked down the line. Had to be 10 rows deep in right field, just inside that foul pole. And just like that, the Astros have a two-run lead. Brantley's sixth home run of the year. When you hit your home run, did you did you know it was fair all the way? Absolutely not. I mean, I hit it right down the line. And, you know, it was windy out. You know, we obviously we were playing in the rain in the beginning as well. So, you know, I was hoping it stayed fair, obviously, but, you know, it wasn't fair by much. Michael, what's it like watching Lance when he's on a roll like he was tonight? Did a phenomenal job. Um, they went triple double, you know, obviously the, in the first inning. And I don't know how he did, I don't know how many innings he threw after that, but he threw great. Uh, he settled down. He gave us exactly what we needed, especially, you know, when we're coming back off a break. Uh, he was attacking the zone, getting us back on offense, and did a phenomenal job for us tonight. Michael, Cease was really good against you guys the first time through the order. What makes this lineup so good at making mid-game adjustments and just even like second, third time through the order adjustments against a guy like Well, one, is, you know, he's a good pitcher. He has power stuff, um, all three-plus pitches. Um, but at the same time, I, I really believe in our offense. I think we have a great offense that makes adjustments throughout the entire game. We do a good job of communicating and just kind of relying on each other's at-bats and what we're doing, and we never try to do too much. We know the guy behind us, you know, if I don't get the job done, I know somebody behind me will. So we can just keep it simple and uh, obviously just try to do, you know, your little bit of part just to get it to a big inning or to whatever you have to do just to score a run for the team. Astros are putting the pressure on the White Sox here in the top of the seventh. Lead four to one. Base hit could really put this game perhaps out of reach. Here's the pitch. And that's a liner. Right field line that could be a hit. And it is. That's going to be extra bases. Guriel scores. Tucker scores. They're going to send Toro. And it's going to be a play at the plate. Safe. A bases clearing double by Straw. And it's seven to one. And it could be the dagger. Yeah, they announced a crowd of 34,516. The biggest crowd they've had at Guaranteed Rate Field this season. And we haven't seen a crowd this big here in five or six years, I don't think. Yeah, I think you're right. Good to see the, the big crowds in Chicago again with this really an upstart Chicago White Sox team. Uh-huh. They've got high expectations. But yeah, if you want to see you know, the best baseball in Chicago this summer. I think this is the place to see it this year. And the White Sox are down to their final out. Scrub brings the hands together. Backwards glance, the one-two. Swing and a miss. Got him on the hook. And that is the ball game. The Houston Astros start the second half with a victory.
as they defeat the White Sox in Chicago 7-1. The 2-2 from Pruitt got him strike three on the breaking ball swung right over the top on a yacker and there's two outs. Nicely done by Pruitt. For a strikeout in an Astros uniform. Welcome back, Robert Ford, joined by Austin Pruitt. And uh, finally, in an Astros uniform, you, you came over in a trade from Tampa Bay in January of, uh, of 2020, but it's finally now that you're on the active roster. And uh, I'm sure you were pretty excited when you, you came over to your, to your hometown team with that, with that deal. And uh, I'm sure you didn't think it would take this long for you to actually get a chance to pitch for him. It's been a, a super long road to, to get to this point. You know, obviously I wouldn't be here without, you know, the teammates kind of supporting me through it, family supporting me through it, training staff, coaches, you know, everybody. Um, it's been a it's been a group effort for sure. But no, I, I couldn't be happier to to finally get to where I'm at now. And going back to, to last year, I mean, last year was a crazy year for a number of reasons, even if you were healthy. Uh, but, you know. You wound up having some some elbow pain. Eventually, led to a surgery in September for uh, a hairline fracture. If you just kind of walk through that process and kind of what, how it how it started and, and how you wound up having the surgery. Yeah. So um, yeah, I showed up at spring training. You know, I, everything was fine. And then uh, after my first outing, I remember getting kind of like weirdly sore behind my elbow. Not really thinking much of it. Kind of thinking, you know, just kind of the spring training aches and pains. Yeah. Kind of your arm getting back into shape, but uh, but kind of getting you know as I. Yeah, next couple of days, why not? You know, next couple of outings, things are the, the pain was kind of getting a little bit sharper in my elbow, and then you know, then after that, um, COVID hit, and we you know we got shut down, and then there was that kind of that gap, that time in between uh, spring training and then summer camp. And I wouldn't throw into, you know, I was throwing a little bit and kind of thinking that things were going to get better during that time without being in games and you know, kind of less intense throwing, mm-hmm. but it, it just never really got better. So. Uh, you know, I kind of got with the training staff, got with Jeremiah, telling him kind of like what was going on. And I, they kind of shut me down for a couple of weeks and, you know, and then tried to start throwing, out, you know, a couple of weeks after that. And, you know, just never just everything that we were doing, it just wasn't just wasn't getting better. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, then we kind of came to the conclusion, kind of got some MRIs, kind of show uh, show us what was going on. And and yeah, and then it's going to say and after it's going to say we kind of figured out what was going on. And then and then they. Um, they put me on some kind of medicine to, to possibly to help lay bone and help heal bone. So I, I was going to try and come back that second month of uh, of the of the COVID season, mm-hmm. and you know that that didn't work either. Yeah, just kind of every you know we, we exhausted just kind of all the options of you know trying to avoid the surgery, but you know surgery is kind of kind of inevitable. It had to. I mean, as much as people hate to have surgery it had to be somewhat of a relief i would think just to finally be like all right everything we've tried isn't working you know this this hopefully will work and can move forward yeah no it, it kind of made a little light at the end of the tunnel um you know just from what what jeremiah said and then in the the doctor who did my surgery kind of what was he he was talking about and everything you know it just it just kind of made that light at the end of the tunnel yeah just at the, at the time whenever you know, before surgery, when all the things were going on, yeah, I just there were there really was no light. It was kind of like, man, what is going on? Like, why am I not getting better? Kind of all this. Then, yeah, surgery kind of put my mind at ease a little bit, which is kind of weird to say, because, but uh, but no, it, it it helped out, and you know, I'm I'm, I'm here now. You uh, pitched parts of three seasons in the big leagues with Tampa Bay from 2017 to 2019. I know, I believe it was 2016. You were at AAA, and you started throwing a cutter. And then the next year, you were in the 
in the big leagues. Was that kind of the last step for you, you think, was learning that cut fastball to, to get you to, to the big league level? Yeah, I think whenever I started throwing that, yeah, I remember I, I first started throwing it in, uh, in 2015 in AA. Mm-hmm. And it, it got a little bit better uh, in AAA. It kind of had its ups and downs a little bit as well. But, uh, yeah, but towards the end of the season, kind of figured out and, you know, kind of refined it a little bit and got better. But, uh, but yeah, no, I, th- I think that was, that was a weapon that the Rays saw that was, uh, you know, that was going to get some guys out here. You grew up uh, in the Houston area, Woodlands College Park High School, uh, went on to University of Houston after pitching at junior college, pitched at U of H for a couple of years. Growing up, what were kind of your memories of the Astros? Were you were you a big Astros fan? Did you did you follow the team pretty closely? Um, I was a pretty big fan. I, I wouldn't I didn't follow them too too close, but I mean at that time the Astros had a really good team. Um, you know your Biggio and Berkman and Bagwell, Roy Oswald was there. You know it was cool when Andy Pett and Roger Clemens they they both came on. Man, it was yeah no it, it was a super easy team to follow at the time. Uh, but yeah, we we came to some games. You know every now and then we didn't come to too many games, but yeah we came to some games to uh, to support the team. Is there anybody you've met in your professional career or since you've gotten over to the Astros who played for the Astros or someone you grew up watching where you, you almost had to pinch yourself like, wow, I just met this guy or any, anything like that? Um, I think it was last spring training, the, the COVID season spring training, where, yeah, Biggio would come in and Bagwell would come in. I was like, yeah, that's, 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 that's pretty cool to, to see a couple Hall of Famers, you know, kind of working out in the same gym you are. Awesome. Awesome. Pruitt. Astros pitcher. So glad you're here and uh, looking forward to seeing what you can do. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you. One, two to Vaughn. Hit in the air to right. Tucker going back. Has a play. Drifts onto the warning track. Makes the catch. Waist high. Two steps from the wall to end the inning. So Pruitt works around a couple of two-out base runners for a scoreless frame. And we go to the ninth inning in Chicago. White Sox 10. Astros 1. Hey, Austin. Regardless of results, how good did it feel just to get back out there and, and do what you do? It uh, felt amazing to be out there. Yeah, it was, you know, been a, been a long road and been a long time since I've been on a big league mound. And it was, uh, yeah, it, it, was, it was a lot of fun. You know, I know it was 10 to nothing, you know, whatnot, but, um, you know, it, it's been so long. It, it, I had fun. Is it, is it, is it a bit, uh, I, may, I may be reading it wrong, is it a bit emo- emotional for you that you've, you've made it back now? Uh, a little bit, because it, had, it hadn't really sunk in too, too much yet. And, uh, you know, the outing just got done, but. Yeah, I think once it sinks in, you know, give me a little time to uh, to think about it. I think it might. What did you like, not like about what you were able to do today? Um, I definitely I competed in the zone for sure through quite a bit of strikes. Um, you know, obviously the the homer. Um, you know, I, that that was one thing I didn't like of it, but uh, but no, I was I was I was in the zone. You know, uh, competed with, uh, with with strikes. And Altuve hits it in the air, pretty deep to left. Going back is LaCastro at the wall, looking up. See you later. 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 Astros win it in the bottom of the ninth. This is the Houston Astros, and it's deja vu all over again. Radio Network. Subscribe to AstroCast. Joined by Justin Verlander, Lance McCullough, Michael Brantley. Tons of interviews. Alex Bregman, Carlos Correa. Follow your favorite team. We definitely love playing in front of our fans in Minute For the H. <laughs> AstroCast is poured for you by Carbach Brewing. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution. 
that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.